of the water seeped away as he reached down for the red woolen shape submerged in the rushes. He heard the howl of Marla then, as he turned the figure over and lifted his mother's small body onto the nettle-veiled riverbank, where he closed her eyes because he couldn't bear to look into the glassiness there, moved the white hair to one side, and blew air into her lungs. And then, shouting to everyone and no one, he brought his fists down onto her chest twice, but someone had turned the sound off. River water emptied out of her mouth. When he stood blindly, lifting her small body, thinking only that he must get her into the house, he tripped on the long hem of his own coat and fell back into the nettles, his mother's flailing body in a wet red coat falling heavily on his in the mud. Then there was nothing. He could recall only a succession of images and sounds, flashes of light from the police car on the sloping ceiling, River water dripping loudly over the edges of her table and onto the floor and down through the cracks. A body covered with a blanket lifted onto a stretcher. Papers to sign. A funeral at which he behaved badly in some way. And a glass prism, returned to him by a mortuary assistant who had pried it out of Elizabeth's clenched fist. Need signing for, he had said, before he placed it in Cameron's hand. A wedge of triangular-shaped glass, chipped along one edge. Over the last two years, as I have tried to tease out the truths from the untruths in that series of events that seeped out through Elizabeth's death, I have had to be you several times, Cameron Brown, in order to claw myself towards some kind of coherence. Sometimes it was, is, easy to imagine the world through your eyes, terribly possible to imagine walking through the garden that afternoon, in those moments before you found your mother's body in the river. After all, for a long time... All that time we were lovers. It was difficult to tell where your skin ended and mine began. That was part of the trouble for Lydia Brooke and Cameron Brown. Lack of distance became, imperceptibly, a violent entanglement. So this is for you, Cameron. And yes, it is also for me, Lydia Brooke. Because perhaps, in putting all these pieces together properly, I will be able to step out from your skin and back into mine. Alongside Elizabeth's body floating in red in the river, there are other places where this story needs to start. Places I can see now but wouldn't have seen then. Other beginnings which were all connected. Another death. One that took place around midnight on the 5th of January, 1665. That night, Richard Greswold, a fellow of Trinity College, Cambridge, had opened a door onto a dark, unlit landing above a staircase in Trinity. As a thin stream of blood began to trickle from one, then both of his nostrils, he raised the back of his hand and wiped it across his cheek, smearing the blood into streaks, and fell forward, very slowly, into air, through the palest of moon shadows cast through casement windows. He fell heavily, his body twisting and beating against the steps and walls. By morning, the blood from the wound on Richard Greswold's head had run through and across the uneven cracks of the stone flagging on which he died. Greswold's death was bound up with Elizabeth's. She came to know that before she died, but we didn't. Two Cambridge deaths, separated by three centuries, but inseparable, shadowing each other. Richard Greswold, Elizabeth Vogelsang. Elizabeth Vogelsang drowned in September 2002, 
the first of three deaths that would become the subject of a police investigation four months later. The police took a ragged testimony from me, which I gave in answer to the questions they asked and which were recorded on tape in a windowless room of the Parkside Police Station by a Detective Sergeant Cuff on the 16th of January 2003. This is not a formal interview, you understand, Dr. Brooke, he said. We'll do that later. We have about an hour, just a chat. I don't know whether what I have to tell you will take an hour, I said. My nerves were jangled. I was still waking in the middle of the night, angry with you and with me. But I had enough self-possession to know that I would have to be careful and alert here at the Parkside Police Station. They had arrested Lily Riddler. We will have to see you again, Dr. Brooke, without doubt. You will be central to our inquiries. That's how I came to see another version. Their version. The central investigation room at the Parkside Police Station was filled with filing cabinets.